1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. You're listening to 105.9 The Region, and welcome to On The Market. This is York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host and real estate expert is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Thank you, Tina. Our guest today is Ron Sally, broker owner of REMAX Millennium right here in Vaughan. Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you, Asif and the team, and uh, thank you for inviting me. You know, we've had a lot of discussions on this show about Vaughan condos, Ron, and uh, you know, being here, tell us what you see in the Vaughn market. And, you know, the condo market is just booming here right now. Yeah, so the pre-construction market has been on fire for the last couple of years. And I don't see it slowing anytime soon. I think the reason for that is a price point, And I think it's the uh, lucrative deposit structures that builders come out with. And it gets a chance for somebody to invest in a property early, later down the road. And based on certain of the stats that we've seen, we've seen a good portion of investors that usually started out buying the condos because compared to detached home prices, they were a lot less lower. But now what we've seen is we've seen the detached pricing and the condo pricing come relatively the same same in the Toronto region. But still in the 905 area, there's still a big disparity with the detached homes, the home prices of semi-detached are still relatively a lot higher compared to a pre-construction condo, which means that anyone that buys in, they're getting a big uh, jump into home ownership. Now, what about the Vaughn subway? How much of a role has that played in the condo boom in Vaughn? Massive, massive. Anytime we've seen a pre-construction development do phenomenally well is for the following reasons. The close proximity to transportation, whether it's a subway, whether it's streetcars, whatever the case may be, transportation is a big factor because commuting, a lot of us commute on a day-to-day basis. And the transportation factor and the location of what's around and the amenities that take place also make a very big difference. So specifically, if we look at the downtown core, walking distance and the walk factor, walk score we call it, is a big selling point and the transportation score is also a big selling point. Now in the 905 area for Vaughan specifically, coming to to that, the, the transportation hub at 45 minutes to downtown Toronto, You have 11 minutes to York University. You can go anywhere around. So basically the connectivity that was missing for a lot of the years, we've finally taken advantage of that. Are we going to continue to see that construction along Highway 7? Because it seems like the entire corridor is filled with condos. Is is that going to continue? Yes, it's going to continue. And uh, the reason for that is because the city has put a lot of uh, development into place to grow. And we have commercial, we have retail, we have job opportunities, basically the developmental hub. What's happening is Mississauga has done a fantastic job with how they've done certain things. And it's time that our cities are finally catching up to that. Why? What did Mississauga do? Mississauga has a great infrastructure in place related to commercial, related to retail, related to jobs. Their their city is thriving. And what has happened is uh, the other cities are still catching up. So Brampton is still yet to come into place. They're trying to do their own sort of development. So Vaughan is also getting right into that. They have a big downtown hub. What we like to call it is a new downtown of each. Uh, suburban city. That's what we call it. And, and, you know, with all the hype about these condos and people jumping in, we've seen the average price of a condo in Vaughn jump over the last uh, even six months. And, And that has to do, of course, with the subway. But if you if you drive down Highway 7, you're going to see all these buildings popping up. But at the same time, we've heard some horror stories about buildings being canceled or projects being canceled. That's right. 
What about that? We've had a lot of irate callers in asking about, you know, what's happening with these developers. And especially when you hear developers canceling projects and then announcing plans for massive projects down the street. So, so coming coming back to that, I, I mean, I know two, Vaughn had two notorious developments that got canceled, and the reason for that was they well the builders uh, touted financial reasons and on constructions. So, if we were to speak about one project particularly, it was all over the news. Basically, this was called the restrictive covenant on a piece of land. Now, it was there in the agreement. A lot of lawyers overlooked it, and what happens is this: when you have a strong demand for a product, and I was having a discussion with a lawyer about this as well, and then he was. Giving a presentation in our office and, and he says look here's the thing you have a big lineup you're having affordable units everybody's going crazy trying to get a piece of the property everybody just wants to get in what we forget to look at is what is the reputation of the developer what is the reputation and what have they built so far so what eventually started happening was they bought at certain price points and in the last two years from from them buying we had a huge jump because they bought around $500, $600 per square foot. And then when the new projects came out, the new projects were at $800, $900 per square foot. Look at how much money was on the table, right? That's from an investment per point of view. Let's look at the people who actually were buying so they can eventually live in those units. And I uh, know some people who uh, bought in that building. And unfortunately, they said, you know what? We were going to move in with our families. They bought really good, nice penthouses for the price. But they're like, now at this point, we can't even afford it. Because those same units that they bought around $500,000, dollars they're on $800,000. And there's no recourse for those people. There's no recourse. And, and, and it's sad to say, but unfortunately, the, the development agreements are always one-sided. Okay, And even a lawyer will say, look, we can go through the agreement with you. We're going to tell you what you need to be careful of. We can show you the clauses. We can show you. We can request that these, amend, uh, these clauses or these certain points be taken out. But ultimately, when a development is hot and the builder has more buyers on the table, they're going to say no to everything. And I've seen them. And I've seen them say, no, whether you want it, you have to abide by our terms. And if you don't want it, well, we have another buyer ready to go. So I guess as a buyer, it has to do with your risk tolerance. Am I willing to take this chance? Because really, I'm going in with very few safeguards. It really is. And, and when you look at resale, at least you know that the building's already there. And with con developments, it kind of gets blown out of proportion because if you look at the number of developments going on within the GTA right now, how many actually get canceled? And it's those few that give everyone else a bad name. You know, trust your realtor and we'll, we'll tell you what we think of certain developers. It's not guaranteed for sure, but We've done our homework. We've dealt with a lot of developers. And and like Ron said, you have to know the reputation of the builder before you go into these because you don't know what you're getting yourself into otherwise. As if, as if to add on to exactly what you said. So so when we when we come down to buying of the development, okay, so you mentioned you made a great point that you have to know the reputation of the developer. What, what makes a good development in the first place? You have location, you have transportation, and you have area amenities. And then all the incentives, then all the other things come into big factor. And of course, the biggest thing that customers should always look at as a price point as well. For a reputation of developer, it's not just, hey, they have a fantastic name. What have they built so far? What is currently standing right now? Now, what I did is I did a quick search. I said, I said, what are the uh, the canceled projects? Our canceled projects, look, based on the amount of projects in the GTA right now, in 2018, we had about 10 to 12 canceled projects all in all. Okay, uh, I think the numbers that came out was about uh, four thousand or 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 five thousand suites that were uh, canceled. Don't quote me on that number. There's yeah. something something on that. 
then, la- then this year so far, we've had two cancellations or three cancellations. Now, what I did is I said, let me look at the developer. And out of those cancellations that took place, there was only maybe two developers that already had something that they were working on and they're doing. But the other developers I looked at, I said, man, I've never heard of these guys before. So as a consumer perspective, you should really buy with caution to make sure that, you know what, am I getting myself into the right thing? And is this going to go ahead? So a couple of questions I always recommend my clients. I say, look, if you're buying a pre-construction condo, let me find out for you. I asked the builder, I said, do you have permits in place? Because a lot of times they don't have permits in place. And sometimes they have permits in place. You have really good developers that come into place. There's a new project coming out in Yorkville. They said, hey, we're not going to launch till we have actual application. We have city approval, everything in place. And then we're going to start selling. Even from a development perspective, they should start construction after the first year of going into sales. Otherwise, they start losing money and they have to lock in their trades. That's from a development perspective. There's so many different factors to yeah. consider as well when, when you're course. buying. And, and the, the main thing is when you're buying pre-construction, you're entering into an investment almost as a partnership with that builder. So it is buyer beware, but ask the right questions. Ask your realtor for advice. Ron, that's great advice on condos. And we look forward to having you on the show again and uh, talking about some uh, newer developments that are hot and that can benefit our listeners. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Asif, for the invite. Looking forward to it. And if our listeners want to connect with you, how can they do that? Yeah, you can give me a call directly, 905-782-5620, 905-782-5620. When we come back, a check on the market in Metro Detroit and why it could be a good investment for you. Stay with us. You're listening to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region, and welcome back to On the Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Thank you, Tina. Joining us next is Kevin Stewart, broker-owner of the Stewart Team Real Estate Partners in Rochester, Michigan. Kevin, welcome back. Hey, how's it going? Good to be back. Great. So tell us a little bit about what's happening in the U.S. of A. What's happened? What do you see in terms of price points, average price points, and what's selling, what's not? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our, our market has been, I would say, interesting in 2019. I think that we talked a little bit last time uh, in relation to, to some weirdness that was happening at the end of 2018. That spurred into 2019 a bit. Uh, we saw interest rates go up in the States uh, quite a bit at the end of the year, um, and the market really, really slowed down. I think people just got a little trigger shy. Uh, our our market, as far as investments um, and people's retirement accounts, things like that, actually didn't do very well. <laughs> um, the, uh, the Dow, things like that, uh, took a little bit of a dip in the fourth quarter of 2018, and so real estate for us in the state generally follows that trend a little bit. So we were a couple months behind it, but it slowed down our market just a touch. But good news was, is we had uh, an increase in first quarter of 2019, meaning the applications were up, interest rates slowly ticked down. And we're actually at, I believe last time I saw a two and a half to three year um, low on interest rates right now. So they're holding the interest rates down good, which has is, is really caused 
in the last couple of months, the market to really pick up speed. I think people are starting to get a little worried that they're going to re-raise those interest rates. Therefore, a lot of people are kind of coming into the market trying to get their money in while they can at a good low interest rate. As far as prices go, our prices were affected, uh, obviously, a little bit. I think when you're looking at a six-month look back uh, here in the state, obviously, we've got to keep our mind on appraisals. Uh, it's not just what a buyer is willing to spend, what, what a bank is willing to lend. And so we have to keep in mind that we have to get to appraisals. We had some appraisal issues in first quarter because when people were looking back in the six-month rearview mirror, they were really seeing that slow fourth quarter. And some people that needed to move, that have to move, sold some of their homes at a discounted rate. So therefore, some of our appraisals in first quarter were a little wonky. We've kind of brought our way and come out of that a little bit as well to where now prices, I believe, I think by the end of the year, you're going to see overall kind of an even market, maybe a little bit up, a couple percentage points up, really depends on the community, the location, the state that you're in. Uh, but here in Metro Detroit, uh, I think overall what we're going to see in most of our suburban communities especially is I think that you're going to see overall just a couple percentage increase in the average sales price as well as increase of value from, from homeowner to homeowner. And that like increase in sales price, you know, the decrease in the mortgage, uh, the lending rates, that plays a huge role in consumer confidence. So, you know, that's where you're probably starting to see is is the consumer confidence as that goes up, sales sales start to go up. Is that uh, typically mm-hmm. what's happening? Because we went through that here about six months ago as well, where people were sitting on the fence, and you know, as they found out that rates were going to be pretty steady, prices were still climbing. They, they came off that fence. There was so much pent-up demand that our 2019 started off on fire and continues to, to be hot. Yeah, I think we, we tend to experience the exact same thing here. I really believe that consumer confidence is a huge driver in the market. That's why when we see um, the stock market go down, consumer confidence financially goes down. Therefore, they stop buying houses. They start to set fill because the crash that we experienced in 2007 and eight in the state, the market crash that we, we felt is still really close to most people's hearts. I mean, it, it's really too close for comfort for most people. And I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with folks that have said, oh my gosh, it's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. It's going to crash again. And, and I've had to really quickly come back and say, you know, just ask the poignant question of, do you understand why the market crashed in 2007 and eight? And usually they don't. They don't have a great grasp on why. And when I explain to them why and why those factors have not happened, this is just a standard up and down, little bit of an up and down blip that we see. And you're always going to see those if you look at 10-year gaps in real estate. This is just a standard one. This isn't a what I would call a crash in real estate. And so, but customer confidence is what leans into that. And, and customer fear as much as anything, because in our in our area, you still get a lot of consumer fear, people that are honestly scared to make a move, especially since in the last, you know, nine, 10 years, the market has gone up, 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 up. We've had big, sometimes very big increases in our annual, um, the annual increase that we've seen over the last decade. And so because of that, people get fearful that we're going to experience another crash. Well, that's not the case. We've just taken ourselves back to flush. We've now, in a decade, it took us almost 10 years to what I would say is fully recover and be back above where we were 10 years ago. 
And so, you know, customer fear comes into play, but customer confidence is what really drives the market and makes it continue to go. It really does. And, and you know, for, for our listeners, we've been really fortunate up here because of our our conservative lending policies. And, and we've always been very conservative. And that saved us in, you know, 2007, 2008, when the entire world was going through this crash. And, and just to educate our listeners, it was the subprime market that caused the crash or, or caused, yep. you know, the, the major uh, disruptions in the U.S. housing market, which we never had here. So that's why we were able to rebound after a month, a month and a half, whereas you guys felt it for a few years. And I think education is the key, Kevin, and you're doing it the right way where you're educating people to say, this is not a crash or a recession. This is just a, a blip that happens every six, seven years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just happens. And, and you're right. The subprime mortgage, you know, subprime mortgage market and truly what I believe was full-blooded, irresponsible lending is what caused our market crash. It is absolutely what caused it. Um, and that is not happening. Our mortgage standards that they have put into place in the States are so rigorous now. You know, they've loosened the purse strings a little bit, I would say, in the last five years. But that's because they went to the extreme trying to come out of the crash is they made it very, very, very hard to borrow money for about four or five years there. They've made it a little bit simpler now, but it's still not easy. They're asking a lot of questions. They're asking for a ton of additional paperwork. I mean, they're verifying, re-verifying, and they're going through a really rigorous process to get people money and mortgage money to purchase houses. And so, you know, that I believe is what's going to maintain and allow our market to stay strong and moving forward, even though we may see six to 12 months blips on the radar that may not look good for a circumstance or two. I don't believe we're, we're going to see, we may not see in our career spans, again, the type of, of issues that we saw in 2008. So I don't believe that's on the road. I think that we're going to continue. If you look at it the next 10 years, you're going to see, you may see those little, those little dips, but the overall, I believe, is going to be an, a trend upward. So what you're, much what you're saying is my cat won't qualify for a mortgage down there? <laughs> no, not anymore. In 2008, your cat could have bought a house. Um, actually, no, in 2004, really. In 2004, your cat could have bought a house for sure. You could have bought a couple houses. Yeah. So, so, you know, your cat, your cat could have been one of our investor clients. Oh, my. So, so Kevin, are you telling our listeners then, because I think what we heard on this side of the border is that Detroit was one of the hardest hit cities and that people were simply walking away from their homes. Homes were left abandoned. Mm-hmm. Uh, has that changed for Detroit? Is it now open for business? Oh, absolutely. We we had um, I, I don't I have never checked the accuracy of this statistic, but of the homes that were foreclosed in the United States, uh, a third of them at one point I was told were Metro Detroit. Oh my! Wow, that's bad, right? That's, that's really bad. bad. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, we were hit probably as hard and for a longer period of time than almost every than any other state out there. Um, and I don't believe that that is, and that's definitely not the case now. I mean, we are America's comeback city. If you come into our airport, it says that everything is a rally cry. People rallying around the city of Detroit, starting there and then moving its way into the suburbs about how great it is to be in Detroit. And I think that, uh, we are, we are definitely out of that burst. I, there's definitely still areas that 
you know, need work, need help that, uh, you know, aren't great. But our overall market is, is really strong now. It's definitely open for business. And all you got to do is go hang out in Detroit on a Friday night at 6, 7 o'clock in the evening and go down in Campus Marshes Park and just watch and experience the activity that's happening there. And you will see a beach party, a beach party in the middle of Metro Detroit where they literally have sand and a DJ and drinks in the middle of downtown Detroit next to a park, next to this, next to that, with people waiting outside of restaurants with hour, two, three-hour waits in the restaurants, in the bars. I mean, it is a happening place. And when you see that, that is going to interpret into the real estate market because when that's happening, people are going to want to live at or near there so they can be a part of that on a regular basis. Kevin, I know we got to let you go, but uh, just before you sign off, get your crystal ball out. Give us a quick uh, 20-second What's going to happen in the next six months? How are you guys going to close off 2019? I think it's going to be a strong 2019. I think the second half is going to be really good. I think there is a lot of opportunity still for investment clients. We've talked about this on the show before. I think, and especially for the market and the listeners out there, don't be scared to invest your money in Detroit. We have a strong market that's going to continue to grow. And we can find ways to help you make money in Metro Detroit, not going too far away from you, there's great opportunities out there. So I think that's going to be something that's going to really continue to push our market over the next, I'd say, even year or so. Huge opportunities for investments. And for our listeners that want to get a hold of you to find out more about investing in Metro Detroit or surrounding, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, best way, if you're out of the country, you can email me. Uh, email me at kevin at com. You can reach out to Asif. Uh, he'd be happy to put you in touch with me as well. That may be a good way to do it. But if you email me at kevin at com or go on our website, stewartteam.com, you can go on there and you can actually make an inquiry right on the website and live chat in with us. We'd be happy to talk to you and happy to see if there's a way that you can make some money here in Metro Detroit. Thank you, Kevin. And for our listeners, it's kevin at stewart, S-T-E-W-A-R-T, team.com. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to uh, recapping 2019 with you in a few months. Can't wait to do it. Thanks, guys, as always. When we come back, we get to your real estate questions and this week's hot listing. And just a reminder, if you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com. You're listening to 1059 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Time now for our listener questions. Asif, you all set? We are. Okay, here we go. The first question comes from Jason in Markham. He wants to know if it matters how long a house has been on the market. What does it say about that property? Great question, Jason. And we get this all the time because the the uh, general feeling is that if the house has been on the market for a longer period of time, people either think there's something wrong with it or they want a discount on it. But there's so many factors that go into time on market. If you're purchasing a house and it was listed on December the 20th, you know, it, there's a real possibility that for the next two weeks after the house was listed, there's not going to be a lot of traffic or a lot of showings. So if a house, everything is selling in four or five days and you see this house and it's been sitting, sitting for 20 days, 
at Christmas time, that's not abnormal. And and even in the summertime, there's so many different things that go into it. There's long weekends. There's August. There's a lot of vacations, so people aren't out and about. So there's so many factors. Tenants. Sometimes tenants are not cooperative. <laughs> Most times tenants are not cooperative. And if you see a house that's tenanted and sitting on the market – it's not generally a problem with the house. It could be that there's just no accessibility to that house. So we have to go through and find out what the factors behind the scenes are for us to be able to give you the correct answer on that because there's so many different factors that go into days on market. And your agent will be able to tell you those factors that are behind the scene. For sure. We do a lot of homework on properties and and we'll know why houses are sitting. And if there's a problem, we'll be able to identify that as well. Our next question comes from Morella in Kleinberg. She is in the process of securing an agent to sell her family home. She wants to know if she should ask potential agents to identify the flaws in her home and how they would address these flaws to sell. What do you think? Yeah, we call those areas of improvement. <laughs> and we want, we want you to be able to showcase your house in the best light. So when we're coming in, we are letting you know where we can improve your house, make it, you know, stand out from the rest and also bring it up to par with the rest of the neighborhood. So if, uh, for instance, we think that you should change the countertops, we'll let you know. Uh, We just had a house where we asked them to change the flooring in the kitchen because it was the only part of the house that we needed improved prior to putting it in for sale. So there's a lot of areas that when we go in for our first meeting, we will point it out and also give you a timeline and maybe recommendations on where you can find those improvements. So Morella's request is not unusual. No, it's not at all. And it's not unusual then to invest uh, in changing a countertop or changing a kitchen floor when you're getting ready to sell? It really isn't because, again, what we weigh is your return on investment. So if you say, I'm going to finish the basement and spend $30,000, you may only get $35,000 from a finished basement. So we're going to say, well, don't trade money because someone's going to want to come in and do it themselves the way they want. So you're better off giving them the $30,000 off the house for them to come in and do it. But if a granite countertop gets you two times the money when you're selling, then that's a great investment. So we'll point those out. Okay. Ask if our listeners want to connect with you directly, how can they do that? They can give me a call at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. And just before we go, this week's hot listing, joining us next is Heather Cooper from REMAX Prime Properties. Heather, over to you. Thanks, Tina. This week's hot listing is an adorable and affordable two-bedroom, two-bath condo right in the heart of Richmond Hill in the Mill Pond area. This is a main floor unit in a low-rise, low-density building, so it's nice, it's quiet, you don't have to worry about elevators. This unit includes parking and a locker for only $448,000. Asif, what do you think about this property? It's a great area right, to be right around the Mill Pond. And, you know, Richmond Hill condos are, are condos that get overlooked, but that was the first real... Uh, area that really took to condos and and there was so much development of condos all the way up Young Street and then you know it gets overshadowed by Markham and Vaughn but Richmond Hill has some really nice condos. And is this a condo that's been around a while? It has been yeah and you know it's again it's in an established area you're surrounded by million dollar homes it's it's a really nice pocket to be in. And these older condos are they often not a little bit larger than what they're building right now? They are you you have more square footage and this one being a main floor has a patio you walk out to the patio so you kind of get the best of both worlds where you can you can walk out and 
you know, just sit, sit in your patio for a little bit and rather than being confined to a smaller space or a balcony. You, you get a lot of options with this main floor condo. Heather, one more time, the highlights of this property and where our listeners can get more information. It's a two-bedroom, two-bath condo right in Richmond Hill at 35 Hunt Avenue. It's unit 105. For more information, they can contact Melody at 905-554-5522. Asif, that's our show for this week. Thank you, Tina. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Remember, if you need to connect with Asif Khan or if you missed any part of On the Market, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.